You're listening to the Best I've Ever Read podcast, the podcast where we discuss the best and not so best books we've ever read. We're your hosts, Liv and Kim. Hey, Kim. Hey, Liv. How's it going? Good. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Liv. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast, Kim. Welcome thank to you. all of our listeners. Welcome to new listeners. Hello. Hello. If you just found us. Yeah, we have like a lot of new listeners. Like we have many countries. Yeah, we have listening to us, which is really many cool. countries. Yeah many countries I was looking the other day and the list just kept going I know I'm shocked like what I want to know is like how do people find our podcast true do they search a book do they yeah does it show up like how let us know how you found our podcast like send us an email or I wish you could comment on podcasts like on Spotify and whatever. Yeah, that's so true. But... People that comment on a podcast. I mean, on Spotify, oh. you can put a little note in our little question thing. Oh, okay. Maybe we'll leave it open somehow and you can tell us where you're from because I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a lot of people. We have a listener from Peru, Greece, Egypt, Kazakhstan. The United Arab Emirates, Belgium, Georgia, Austria, Poland, Hong Kong, Italy, Portugal, Switzerland, Vietnam, France, Singapore, Ireland, South Africa, Netherlands, Denmark, Thailand, Japan, Mexico, Slovenia, Sweden, Germany, Chile, Philippines, Brazil, India, Australia, United Kingdom, Spain, United States, and Canada. Wow, that's actually crazy. It's, it sounds it's so many countries around the globe. <laughs> I know. I mean, there are many more countries than that, but it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, it sounds like we covered everyone. That's so cool, yeah. though. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Yes, and let us know where you're listening from. Mm-hmm. Comment on our Instagram. Let us know. Let us know. Yeah. Um, what's new with you, Liv? Anything fun? Well, um, nothing fun, because since the last time I, we recorded, I've just been battling an illness I don't know what's wrong with me I don't know if I'm like having symptoms of burnout or if I'm like getting sick or my body is about to get sick and then I recover and then I get sick again but yeah I had a tummy bug this weekend which was not fun and I had like a week like a cold for a day last week which was also not fun so I don't know I had to miss my softball game I had to miss a day of work but I rested lots yesterday. I didn't even like let myself do anything, even though I had things to do. I was like, or I forced myself to not do anything. So hopefully that helped. I feel yeah. better today. Well, that's good. I don't feel a hundred percent, but I feel better. I've been sleeping a lot. Yeah, I but feel yeah. like sometimes you just need to let your body rest. I know there's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a quote, but I heard. Actually, some good advice I like to follow that I feel like I never follow is, like, you need to rest or your body will choose the day (laughs) that it'll Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, if you don't, don't like, give yourself rest, your body will force you to 
take yeah. rest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is kind of maybe I feel like where I'm at, but it's also just hard because like life is busy and yeah. I'm working with my therapist on not saying yes to everything. I'm I'm definitely a yes person. Like I just say yes to things and then without really thinking of the consequence of like, will I even be able to do that thing properly? Like, am I going to let the person down that I said yes to? Like I said yes to someone for their benefit so that I can do something for them, but then I'm not even doing it properly because I'm committing to too many things. So I've been working with my therapist on that and trying to say no to more things, not for like for me also, but also just like for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. no, yeah. that's a that's a good thing to do. I think like I I also was when I was in therapy when I was back home, I was going through that with my therapist as well because he, he was like, um, so do you like say yes to every single thing? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> is that bad? And he's like, yeah, you shouldn't. Um, yeah. So I learned that I was a people pleaser and that it's not good to just cater to everyone because at the end of the day, it doesn't help you cater to yourself. So, yeah. but I struggle with that. Like, I think it's hard because you don't want to like, for many reasons, you don't want to let people down, but then you're letting people down if you don't do the thing that they asked I'm like really bad doing that with like plans with people like I'll always overbook myself with plans and then I'm like why am I so exhausted like I truly just say yes to everything so I I feel you I feel you it's it's a tough I also just like want to do everything and I feel very capable of doing a lot of things and then every few months, my body is like, hey, remember when, you know, I don't know. You rested once? <laughs> you need remember to rest, the last time so. you slept? Yeah. Remember the last time you, like, didn't have to do something for someone or for yourself in a day? Yeah. Um, Which is hard also because, you know, like, I live in a capitalist society and I um uh, have school to pay for, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. that too. It's kind of like, but yeah, no plans with people or like, yeah, just having having too many things on the go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hard. especially when we're like, like I love this podcast, and it's like one of the, it, it's like one of the favorite, most favorite things I'm doing right now. But it takes up a lot of time, and like I want, I wish, like I could quit everything and focus on this more so like if anyone wants to pay all our bills so we can do this full time I would love that (laughs) (laughs) we need a sugar person for our podcast yeah yeah a sugar parent yeah literally yeah Um, yes I'm feeling better I'm just really looking forward to moving um mm -hmm. I said to Kim earlier this is the last time I'm recording well Actually, that's not true because we're recording next week. But yeah, just like one more week before we move and my house is a mess. I like don't have a dining room table right now because I just sold it yesterday. I'm getting rid of my couch tomorrow. (gasps) So yeah, it's going to be like a funny week. Um, And we're also going away this weekend because we run a race this weekend. So between running the race working this week moving 
I'm just looking forward to like next week when I can just chill. Yeah. Well, I guess next week I'm going to be moving. So maybe two weeks from now. Yeah, I was going to say moving is not as relaxing as yeah. I feel like like what last time I moved, I'm like, oh, as soon as I move all my stuff to the new place, that's that's it. And then you're like, no, you have yeah. to unpack and organize that. And then unpack, like- organize. We're moving to a bigger place. We're moving in with each other. So we have to like decide where we're going to put all our furniture and like hang all the artwork. Like I always feel like nothing like your house doesn't really feel like your house till you've like hung your artwork mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's OK. I'm it'll it'll be a journey, but I'm excited. Oh, that's so Anyways. fun. How exciting. Enough about me. Kim. Oh, you? me. Um, well, speaking of moving, I'm also moving yeah. soon. Did you yeah. find a place? I did. Yay! Yeah. After so there's like this um it's kind of like Airbnb, it's called Uni Places. Um, I actually have an affiliate code for Uni Places, so <laughs> maybe I'll plug that in. Um, no way yeah, everyone. so if you're yeah, ever moving abroad um or you need a place to stay in europe or australia long term you can use uniplaces.com i'll put my code in the link that sounds so funny to say um but yeah uni places actually helps me get this place here that i'm staying in now in spain um and they essentially it's kind of like airbnb where you have a bunch of flats to choose from and it's a bit of an easier process than just going out finding people to like rent from like especially Spain and like of course there's a language barrier my Spanish isn't great yet so communicating with people about a room and like rental contracts and stuff is just a nightmare so we were looking Mm -hmm. at apartments and for how long we're staying we're only there for five months I was like hey let's just book through uni places again because like the last time we had a good experience with it it was really easy because all of the flats already checked out which is one thing you really need to do in Spain like anyone's ever thinking about moving to Spain do not rent an apartment without looking at it like do not do that I mean for most places you probably wouldn't but yeah so we just didn't have time to like go check out places like I'm working and Amart is like just finishing up his work and stuff. So we found a really good spot in this area in Sevilla Center. So we'll be living like downtown and it's right by Alameda and Calle Feria, which is like the cool spot here. So yeah. I'm really excited. We went for drinks there this weekend and... I was like, oh my god, I love it here. Like, I can't wait to be living in the city center again. Like, our flat is tiny, but I think we'll be spending that much time there, except for, like, sleeping and, like, eating dinner and stuff. Yeah. My commute to work will now only be, like, 45 minutes instead of an hour and 45 minutes. Oh my god. Yeah, so we're moving. Still time for reading. Yes! Not as much time for reading on the train, but... I can actually enjoy my commute in a sense and like walk in the city to the train. It'll feel a bit more like, I don't know. It's been really fun living in this little like vacation home though with a pool. Although I have. Yeah, you're not going to have a pool. Yeah, no pool. I'm going to die of heat. Do they have have, like public pools? Like they do. 
But it, like for how hot Sevilla is, you'd think they'd have more. Yeah. It's like it's not very common. And everyone's been telling me that. They're like, why are you leaving the house of the pool? And I'm like, hey, well, I don't want to live like it's this far. Pros and cons. Yeah. Like you have to, it's like give and take. So whatever. I'm just excited to be closer to the center. I can like go have a drink at night and not have to be like, oh, I have to run to the metro before it ends. Right. It's like 50 cents versus $50 to get home. So it's just like, yeah yeah I don't know so I'm excited for that that's so exciting anyways um, Kim what are you reading right now um okay well let's talk about how sometimes you just don't read much yes sometimes yeah you know am I in a reading slump okay so yeah let's talk about reading very slowly because that's me right we're now. doing it that's us right now both of us yeah like I feel like well we've been busy with life and and things and sometimes like reading is just tough and sometimes you get in a little reading slump uh for me for example I'm reading a big book um, what's it called again what's the, what's the um, name of it? I don't know if you've heard of it uh the Priory of the Orange Tree oh yeah yeah um the bane of your existence yeah like I'm I'm too far to stop now like there's no way I'm dnfing this book at 600 pages no but now I'm like you know what I didn't have to read this (laughs) like I feel like I I, not book yeah like I, I hate that feeling started reading some reviews because I was like okay no I just need to see if I'm crazy but I think because it's just a quick just a quick review I'm not done it yet but the characters are not fleshed out enough like for some for a book that's this big that has like very atmospheric world and stuff I feel like we need more minuscule details on like I always thought I was going crazy but these people feel like they're transporting like through what's it called when universes well they're transporting between like different areas of the world like within one chapter and it doesn't talk about the journey and it just seems like all the big things that are happening are like not really happening but i mean if you've read it and you might not agree with me because i know a lot of people love this book but i think for me with just fantasy i was expecting more like detail and like when twists and stuff happen it's not really like I kind of just like read over it and I'm like oh shit like this is a big thing and then I have to read it again like it's never like build up to like this big thing that's happening so yeah um I'm gonna finish it one day but I've decided I'm not gonna put all my eggs in one basket and I'm gonna do the reading multiple books at once um my either or by Elif Batumin uh, library hold laps so I was a bit sad about that but whatever I'm gonna read it again later and then I'm reading The Adult by Bronwyn Fisher and that book is not bad it's just I don't know if it's my book right now I just don't know if I want to read it right now how far into it are you 
like 30%. So it's quite short too. So I think I might just keep reading it because it looks like it'll get good. It'll get good. Do you have that on your, when you get your NetGalley books, do you get them on your phone or your Kobo? Your Kobo, you can get them on your Kobo. Yeah, you just download the file and then you just like drag, you have to plug your Kobo into your computer though. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Kindles are different because I get a Kindle download. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. Apparently Kindle is a lot better for NetGalley. A lot of people buy a Kindle for NetGalley. I would like to get um li- like the fact that you can get library books on your Kobo is very interesting to me because I cannot do that on my Kindle. Oh, that's but... well, that's the only reason why I got it. Yeah, because I was like, if I can get library books on the Kobo, I never have to buy a book again, which is actually true. Like yeah. that library books come in, you just have to be patient. And it's like not really, yeah. really great if you want to read a certain book right away, but I don't really care yeah um can you buy a kobo book because there's yeah. a store yeah oh okay there like is. you can is it chapter um it's ratukin like kobo ratukin oh. ratukin ratukin i don't know how to say it actually but yeah with the the kobo store is like attached to the kobo store <laughs> the kobo store is attached to the kobo store but it's not kindle it's not amazon yeah Kindle is Amazon, yeah. yeah. So it's, um, I'd say Red Toucan is like Amazon, though. They own a lot of things. People are like, right. you should support Kobo. It's like a smaller business. I'm like, not really. Yeah. But whatever. If you don't want to support Amazon, you can support something else. But anyways. Um, <laughs> Your local bookstore. Yes. Your local yeah, library. Don't even get an support e-reader. Those. Fuck e-readers. Just like get go to your local bookstore and buy the whole stock that's what i'm gonna do when i have like a lot of money oh when i'm rich i promise i'll give back but right now my budget is library books one of taylor and i's like life dreams that's like if it does happen it'll probably happen when we're like retired kind of thing Mm -hmm. is to own a bookstore like a little bookstore yeah it's like one of our well it's it's like one of taylor's little figs that he has like have you ever heard of like the fig tree oh yeah 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 yeah. like um who is that sylvia plath like her fig tree Mm -hmm. and like it's always been one of his figs is just like to own a little bookstore and um mine too and we we always buy a little bookstore but that's not gonna happen for if it does happen in our lifetime probably when we're retired and older Mm mm-hmm no, but. that was like that's actually my retirement dream. I want to own like a bookstore slash coffee shop. Like, yeah, it's a bookstore, coffee shop, wine bar, and then I don't want to give away my business plan. Actually, so <gasps> don't give away up. your business plan. Take that out of the podcast. Yeah, we're cutting that out. But it's very cool, and no one's gonna steal it. So, haha. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh-huh. Yeah, just a little bookstore. Um, yeah. So, what are you reading? Oh my god. I'm currently still reading We Measure the Earth with Our Bodies. Oh, how is it? I think it? the last time we talked, I was reading Eileen, but yeah. I finished Eileen. Taylor is almost done, Eileen. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Which is exciting. He's reading it too. He was like, How long do you have this book up from the library? And I was like, like you can keep it like a few just, weeks. I just keep it forever. <laughs> yeah, it was like just he was like, Oh, I'll just go get it from the library. And I was like, No, I have it from the library right now. Like you're I'm gonna return the book and you're gonna go and pick up the book. So just keep it. Like it's yeah. fine. <laughs> Let's just make this process faster for everyone. I yeah. haven't done that before. Well, like what's the I have it for three weeks. Like Yeah. You know? 
anyway, so he's reading Eileen right now. So I finished that uh, last week after we chatted. And then now I'm mm-hmm. reading We Measure the Earth with Our Bodies by String Yangzom Lama, which I know that I had mentioned in the ABAPI episode. And then again, I got Eileen and I had to read Eileen because I had to get it finished first. But now I realized that I didn't. I actually had to get this one finished first. I read my res- reservations wrong on the library. This one is due in like a day. And I still have like 150 pages. And they are long pages. Like, oh, I don't oh, know if wow. you can tell. Yeah. It's yeah. a very, they're very long pages and they have small font. Yes. So yes. this book is 340 pages, but it feels longer because it takes me a long time. Like to get through 50 pages last night, it took me about 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah to yeah. an hour, which is maybe, I don't know. Is that? I don't know. It seems like it's taking me a long time to read this book. Um, it also had a bit of a slow start. Mm-hmm. It's picking up now. Like we're into the meat of the story and like the problem that needs to be resolved. But it took a while to pick up. Mm-hmm. Probably around 130 pages for me to like get into it. But I really like how much learning I'm doing like just learning about Tibet learning about the um occupation of Tibet mm-hmm. and um the refugee camps and that this family had to move to um in Nepal and so it goes between two different timelines it goes between um the past the 1950s and 60s with oh, the yeah. with the f- so it goes through like the family's um, escape from Tibet and into their settling in Nepal in a refugee camp. And then it jumps to one of the character's daughters moves to Canada in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so she's in Toronto. She was 17 when they em- when she immigrated and was well educated in Nepal. Anyways, I feel like I'm going on and on about this book, but it's really good. It's it's definitely slow to start. It's feeling very long in terms of the pages are very long, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely learning a lot. And I like books set in like two time periods and like right. historical fiction and stuff. So, um, and it's a little bit of academic fiction because the daughter who lives in Canada is going to university and she s- wants to study her people, oh. like Tibetan people. So it kind of all revolves around this little nameless saint, um, a coup, K-U, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but a coup that is in Tibetan, in this Tibetan family mm-hmm. or community, this coup would show up for people. So like the coup would show up in your house and it's, they don't know the name of this like nameless saint, but he would show up in your house and he's like a little clay figurine oh. for different people that needed him. Okay. And okay. then the the coup shows up in Canada at the daughter of the family. So she moves to Canada. She goes to a professor's party. And someone at the party shows, and it's like a professor of Nepalese and um, Tibetan study. And so he has like all of these artifacts mm-hmm. and he has just bought this coup this nameless saint and so the daughter her job 
her name is Doma or Doma. Her job is to like in her mind, like return this coup to her family because it's like stolen property basically. So talk about colonialism. Um, It has like some academic stuff in it. I need to cut a lot of that out because I don't know how much of that made sense, but it's very good. (laughs) No, that's, that's actually, no, that sounds like a really great story. Like I, like the book cover is beautiful and no, it sounds really good. And I don't know much about Tibet or anything. I feel like it's a pretty recent part of history too, like occupation and stuff. Yeah, it's only my third book of the month and I wanted to read five. Mm-hmm. It's not looking that that's going to happen. I hope to finish this one in the next three days. One, because it's due, but also <laughs> like if I read 50 pages every day, I should be able to get it yeah. over with enough day because that book again has long pages um i also have cuckoo land by anthony dewar oh yeah that's a popular Uh, book yeah i have it out from the library i don't know if i'm gonna it's also a very big book so if i start that one i'll really only get to read four in the month but i also picked up mcglue oh picked up mcglue um which is a sh- it's a novella it's short so I might take that in the car with me when we go to Ottawa and okay. try to see if I can get through okay. that um just to like read it because I really want to read it and then also just get like a fifth book in for the month right okay yeah very cool I picked it up at the at the bookstore I saw it and I was like I have to oh oh Kim I also picked up Blood Atonement <gasps> from the bookstore really? it was like five dollars it was like on their clearance on their like they do like a clearance yeah, yeah, yeah. Book table at the front of of the bookstore of novel idea here and it was like six dollars i think <gasps> oh so my I god took it. okay i'm excited for you to I'm read that read one that. i actually have that yeah. physical copy with me here i brought it with me from canada because i received that wow. like advanced copy like a physical one i haven't received i think that was like the last physical book i received actually but that's right. a really good book. It's like a bit of a thriller, but like also has some like um religious historical oh, fiction, shit. which is like based yeah. in Western Canada. So that one, yeah, that one will be I'm excited to chat with you about that one. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Ooh. We'll see when I pick it up. It is packed away in a box now, but that's okay. I'm going I'm- off of library books and easily accessible books mm-hmm. that I have. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyways, very cool. Um, what are we talking about today? Well, today, um, going on with the themes of the month, we wanted to chat about June and Pride Month. So today, we're going to be talking about our um, books that we want to read and books that we've read that are um, queer, LGBTQ plus books so I'm excited to dive into this because um a lot of good books a lot of good queer books out there yes yeah mm-hmm. yeah we have we have each a few books that we've read and then a few that we haven't mm-hmm. do we want to start with a few that we have read that we recommend yeah okay yeah okay do you want to go first yes I'll go first okay. Um, so this book I actually read a while ago, but I feel like I always think about it because I've never read a book like this. Um, it's called Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. 
Um, so this book was actually nominated for Best Fiction and nominated for Best Debut Novel in 2021. Um, I remember it was like super popular on Bookstagram and like just the inter. I feel like I just was always seeing it on the internet um, yeah. just because it has a very interesting story. So Detransition Baby essentially follows Reese, who is in a relationship with Amy and they live in New York and they're living like a pretty good life. But then um, Amy detransitions and becomes Ames. And now their relationship is like really rocky. Um, but Ames is kind of in a weird position because they're detransitioning to live as a man again after transitioning previously to a woman and it kind of talks about Ames experience prior to transitioning and then again detransitioning and it's described as like an emotional messy vulnerable corners of womanhood type of novel and I think that really encapsul encapsul oh my god really encapsulates it encapsulates mm -hmm. it <laughs> um it's a very interesting book because it talks about what I don't know it has a lot of perspectives on like how womanhood is defined and it has some like cultural commentary about um identity and how people look at identity and how um, transgender people are treated and how sometimes it's really difficult living uh, trans and yeah I don't know it's a very interesting topic that I before I read this I really like like I don't know I feel like being transgender and a lot of transgender issues are coming into public a lot more but not much of like detransitioning which is also something I'm starting to see a lot in news and on social media and stuff and it's just a very interesting discourse talking around it and I think this book received a lot of like good and bad conversations around it but I thought it was a really interesting story on yeah just transgender issues and identity and being a woman and what that means and like what gender even really means so it's a really good book but like this is a book I'd actually think about reading again because the story was really nice and there's like really good family dynamics and um yeah queer characters there's a lot of interesting things happening here but yeah, I'd recommend that one, especially if you haven't read anything on like transgender people or any trans represent representing books. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Did that make sense what I said? Yeah. And yeah, I'd recommend it. Have you read this one, Liv? I feel like. No, I had it out from the library. Okay. And I didn't get the chance to read it. It was one of the times when I had eight books oh, yeah. out from the library at once. And I just had to give some back uh -huh. and put them on the shelf. And so I haven't read it, but uh, the author, Tori Peters, is trans. Mm -hmm. 
So I think it's important to like highlight that she is a trans woman speaking of these mm-hmm. experiences. Um, detransitioning is also like, I mean, we don't need to get into this, but detransitioning is a huge thing that the right will use as a threat or as a reason to not support yes. gender affirming care. Yes. And yes. um I think it's really important to highlight like there was so Matt XIV is someone on Instagram that I think everyone should follow. Um he posts about social issues, a lot about um queer issues and a lot about like legislation. And um he's like young. He's like in his 20s. Um and he's really knowledgeable and posts stuff really in a very like in a way that really lays things very like straight mm-hmm. and has a lot of like doesn't have a lot of like I don't want to say opinion but like he just puts it out there as it is mm-hmm. and um he made a post today or yesterday that I saw that was about one percent of people who transition regret um regret transitioning or detransition mm-hmm. And I think that he also, then he was posting all these other things and it was like 14% of all people, of all surgeries, people regret 14% of all surgeries. Like it's something like 28% of people regret getting a knee replacement mm-hmm. and 14% of people regret getting a tattoo and sort of things like this. And so when we're looking at 1%, that's actually a very, very, very small number in terms of like surgeries and stuff. That being said, Surgery is not a part of everyone's transition. Yes. It is a very personal decision and it's not something that everybody does. And it doesn't, you don't need to have any type of surgery or any type of anything to be trans. Mm -hmm. So that's also something I want to say. And I think that when we're talking about gender and as we move towards gender outside of the binary, people are going to transition and detransition every day. Mm -hmm. And like that might mean taking hormones for six months, deciding that you don't like the way the hormones are going for you and you come off of them. Um, Lots of people transition from being a trans man or woman to just being non-binary and kind of going back into that area of like being in the, not in the middle, but being outside of the binary Mm -hmm. or in between the binary. So I just think those are important things to say with that book, which I'm sure that people have also talked about. Yes. I really want to read it because um, I think it would be, I just think it'd be very cool to read some stories about um, detransitioning and from the perspective of a trans woman, because Mm -hmm. I don't think I've read any books by trans people. Um, I've read, well, maybe like some non-binary people, but yeah. Like, not any trans people, like, specifically about Mm -hmm. trans experience yet. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just want to... No, that... No, I think that's actually really good to highlight because I wanted to mention something about that as well because... But you said it really well because I find that I've seen a lot of discourse in the media about detransitioning and it's always from, like, right-wing politics stuff. And then this book was the first book I read that was actually from... Well, it is fiction, but the author is trans, and mm-hmm. I think it's best to hear it from someone who's actually living in that experience. Um, I don't think the author has detransitioned from what I've seen, but um, they obviously live as a trans woman, and 
I'm sure have experienced a lot of things that are in the book um Mm -hmm. it seemed very like true to life in that sense while reading it but yeah I think it's important you say that because a lot of there's a lot of misconceptions about it and I think just because not that this is new like being transgender is not new but it's new in like no uh mainstream discourse and like mainstream media so yeah yes very good it is the newest it is the most recent thing that the right is weaponizing yeah um yeah, I yeah. just, I just, I know that Kimmy agrees with me, but I just think when we're talking about these topics, like it is, I just want to state that we do have an opinion on this podcast. Well, it's not an opinion. We have a stance on this yeah. podcast and it is that trans women are trim, are trans women are trim, <laughs> trans women are women. Yes. Gender affirming care is important and life-saving and we're not going to even begin to discuss anything else yes so don't come yes don't come for us for that because i will gladly fight you on that yeah not even <laughs> not even joking anyways not even. Um, anyways <laughs> what what do you want to talk Sorry. about Liz? <laughs> yeah i want to talk about i have a okay so that's a fiction book so maybe i'll do a non-fiction okay. so one book that i want to talk about that is a nonfiction is a history of my brief body by billy ray belcourt he is a poet scholar and author from the drift pile cree nation which is in northern alberta or so-called alberta um his work talks a lot about decolonial love grief intimacy queer sexuality and this book specifically is kind of a collection of stories and poems about being a gay man but yeah it's a really really beautiful book I like I think I read it in like one go it was so good um and just talks about being indigenous and gay and like how those two things um can be very tokenized and can be fetishized a lot and so that was um a great read um, in the same breath, I'm just going to mention, not that these are at all the same book, but Johnny Appleseed by Joshua Whitehead is also a story about a gay Indigenous man. This one is fiction, mm-hmm. um, but Joshua Whitehead is also an Indigenous author from Canada. Those two books are yeah, both written about being like an Indigenous gay man, mm-hmm. um, specifically in so-called Canada. So I recommend both of those Um for, yeah, those. Sorry that I did two. No, yeah. that's well. I I haven't heard of the first one that you mentioned, but Johnny Appleseed, I heard of that one because it won the Canada Reads, um, I think like yeah. two years ago or something. And ever since then, yeah. I've just been seeing it everywhere. And every single person that I know that's read it said it's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really great. I'm gonna add- um, and it's fiction, mm-hmm. but. A History of My Brief Body is, yeah, definitely, like, po- more poetry and definitely very um, decolonial in the way that it's written. Oh, like, okay. Like, doesn't follow, okay. like, a, it doesn't follow, like, a colonial style of writing. So, it's super interesting. I really like it. I wanted to mention a thriller. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, this one... Piece Covering one, all the bases. Yeah. I'm just going to cover every genre um well I guess we don't have time to do all that but we'll do like a a diverse realm of reads to show that you can read really any genre during pride month um 
But the book I want to talk about is Bathhouse by PJ Vernon. And um, this is a thriller, which is about Oliver Park, who is a young recovering addict from Indiana. And um, he's finally sober and he has a wealthy partner named Nathan, who is um, a trauma surgeon. And they've built this perfect life together where, um, yeah, they're living happily and blah, blah, blah. Everything's going great. But then Oliver one day just stumbles upon a bathhouse, a gay bathhouse, and he goes in and some lines are crossed and he follows a man into a private room and then there's like a lot of things that happen that get pretty crazy and um Oliver has to escape a crazy situation but it's a pretty crazy thriller it's a lot of um I don't know it's really suspenseful it's one of those thrillers that Mm -hmm. are very suspenseful it's a very like dark setting like not saying well like it's just like a creepy setting um yeah is it considered psychological thriller um I wouldn't say it's a psychological actually because I felt psychological when I was reading it yeah no I oh yeah because you have read this one I I read that one yeah yeah I feel like this one was a bit psychological because it they're like yeah I don't want to spoil it but there's some parts in it where you're questioning the character. It's like an unreliable yes. narrator and you're questioning like the characters yes. and who they're portrayed as, but there's a lot of twists in this and it's just, it's just super crazy. Also, I was really excited after I read this because I found out that the author is actually living in Calgary right now. Well, maybe not. I don't yes. Know. I, I but, heard of that too. I noticed yeah. that. So I remember when I posted this review on my Instagram, I was like, oh my God, the author like lives in Calgary. And then he messaged me, the author messaged me and he's like, yeah, I'm living here right now. I was like, oh my God, that's so weird. He's not from Calgary. Like he's from, um, he is from, he was born in South Carolina and so he's American, I guess. But yes, this is like a really interesting book um oh I see Pierre reviewed it I didn't know he read it but um yeah I haven't read many queer thrillers like this was probably the first one I've come across or definitely Mm -hmm. the first one I've read and not many I've come across since then but I I thought it was very interesting it was good yeah that one was spooky it is yeah it was spooky yeah and I think it's like for me, I've, I'm probably never going to go into a gay bathhouse. I don't think I'm even allowed in one. Um, <laughs> so I could really like distance myself from the story. But I feel like if you're yeah. a gay man that maybe goes to bathhouses or like wants to go to one, maybe like don't read this or maybe do, but just don't get too spooked. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about you? What is your next book recommendation? Um. Okay, let's do... A romance? I don't know mm. if this is considered a romance, but Call Me By Your Name mm. by Andre As- Ackerman. Mm-hmm. Asman? Ackerman? Um, a, a classic one for me to bring up, but it's so, it was such a good book. I'm sure lots of people have uh, seen the movie with mm-hmm. Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer. It was, yeah, I read it 
a few years ago when I was traveling and I loved it. Like, I think the storytelling was very beautiful. The writing was very beautiful. Some problematic things in the book we could always bring up, but just, I think the story was, well, first it was a coming of age story. So it's about this, this younger man coming to being like coming to not realize he's gay, but just to have his first, his first gay experience and his first experience with a man with another man and just like the love that they shared and the way that they connected was really amazing. Um, just really good storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that one's a great one or like read the book, watch the movie. The movie is also really, really good. Like yeah. it's a really good movie. I love the movie. I know Army Hammer is now like not. Um... Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, besides Army. okay, besides the, everything with Army Hammer and him being an alleged cannibal, I don't know. I haven't followed <laughs> up on that story in a long time. Um, but they had such good chemistry in that movie. Like, yeah. I believed that. And then I think I actually read the book after. And oh, okay. the writing was just as good. And it's actually pretty true to the movie. Like, they did such yes. a good job. That is an amazing book to movie adaptation. Yes. They even the the peach part. Yeah. Infamous the peach, part. peach part. Um yeah, like that. Yeah, amazing writing. I really like that book. And I feel like I feel like it's just like a classic gay romance. I don't know how mm-hmm. it is received now, but I really like that book. I really liked it and I really like the movie. Yeah, it was really good. It was uh I just really liked the the coming of age part. Like, yes. I just think I love a coming of age story and I think for a first love story and like yeah. a summer romance and just the setting was beautiful, like in Italy yeah. and um it was yeah, it was really like sensual and like very steamy and but the writing was not it wasn't like a cheesy romance. Like it's it's written yes. very, very well. Yes. Ooh, actually, maybe I want to talk about a book now that I want to read. Um, okay. Actually, an author that I really want to read. He's authored two books um, that feature gay characters. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, who is it? Oh, yes. So the author I'm talking about is Douglas Stewart, and he's the person who authored Young Mungo and... Oh, Young Mungo, yeah. Please tell me. Yeah, Young Mungo and um, Shuggy Bane. So these are both... I don't know if they're both... They take place in Scotland... But I did listen to the audio of Shuggy Bane, and I really enjoyed it because the narrator has, like, a very strong Scottish accent. So it was, like, very lovely to listen to. And, well, Shuggy Bane, I'm going to just hop around between the two, but Shuggy Bane follows a lonely boy that lives in public housing in Glasgow and um his mother is like on like a interesting path of i feel like she's just like not a great mom and they just live in like poverty but there's a lot of commentary about like addiction sexuality and it's 
takes place in the 80s, so it's like a bit before, but this book I've heard really good things about, and then also Young Mungo, which is by the same author, also has been getting really good reviews. I believe it came out, oh yeah, it came out last year, and it's also about Mungo and James, who live in housing estate in Glasgow, and they should be enemies, but they fall in love, and it's another queer romance as well. But the cover for this, like the American, Canadian-American cover is like a boy who's like submerged in water, but the UK cover is like two guys aggressively making out. I Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, but it's just like, I feel like see this would drive people like I I can just imagine this in like a bookstore driving like right wing people wild like they're just like what is that but I love it I almost want to buy the UK version maybe while I'm here I'll buy it because um and this and Young Mongo has a four point three eight on Goodreads yeah and most of the reviews like over fifty percent of the reviews are five stars so. Feel like they're really good I haven't read them but the writing is really amazing from what I heard when I listened to Shuggy Bane um it's just really long and I didn't finish it but yeah those are two stories I really want to read and I feel like I'm really intrigued by like the 80s in UK right now like mm. in Scotland Ireland oh my god I'm so stupid are these all part of the UK Ireland is not Northern Ireland is Yes. Oh, right. No. Okay. Ireland is like on its own, but I'm just like very fascinated by that part of the world right now. Maybe because I'm going to London next week. <laughs> but I don't know. I've just like been, I don't know. I'm just, I just want to read it. So anyways, yeah. those are two that I want to read. When you were talking about that, I was reminded of a book that I have that is called at swim two boys and i haven't read it and i don't really know what it's about but i do know that it's historical fiction it's set in like the 1916 or something and it's it's a queer love story um between two boys i don't know what it's about i'm not going to talk about it more but i have it and i really want to read it and it's by jamie o'neill it also has like very good ratings oh yeah it's like a 4.1 on Goodreads yeah so like similar similar kind of storyline but I find it very interesting that's written in like 1916 like I want to know what kind of the the discourse around it around mm. these stories that story is like in that time period so yeah oh okay I, I also okay. really want to read those two books so yeah so much. yes we might have to read them sometime in our lives oh some point I'm gonna say sometime life. soon but same with every book apparently yeah yeah, I'll talk about, I guess, books that we want to read this month. Yeah. Or for Pride Month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have two. I want to read, Taylor's going to laugh at me when I say this, but I want to read Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. James Baldwin is one of Taylor's favorite authors, but Giovanni's Room was written in nineteen in the 1950s, and it focuses on the events in the life of an American man living in Paris and his feelings and frustrations with his relationships with other men in his life 
particularly an Italian bartender named Giovanni, whom he meets at a Parisian gay bar. So it's a gay love story between two men. But I find it very interesting, like the time period that it was not only set, but in that it was written. Like the fact that this book was written in in the 1950s, just like, that's, it's, it's very, it's a very like important book for the queer community um, for that story to have been told in the 50s. So I would really ah, like to read that one. This sounds really good. I um I'm reading like I'm just like kind of skimming the Goodreads reviews right now and it has really good reviews, especially by like people I know. And it's a classic book. Well, it's classic a classic. Novel. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like yeah, this is classic. Oh, okay. I want to read this. Yeah. yeah. Taylor just read another book by James Baldwin recently and mm-hmm. he loves he loves him. So um I think he'd be happy for me to read that book yeah. but I also just think it, it it's a great book to read and then another one that's oh sorry do you want to go no you go I just did too so you should do too <laughs> oh okay the other one that's on my list that is coming out this month in June it should come out at the beginning of June is page boy by Elliot page it is a coming-of-age memoir from Elliot Page, and he talks about being – he just basically talks about his experiences with gender, with love, relationships, and also how that has related to Hollywood um, and just, like, his transition. Um, I think his his story is, like, one that is a very notable, like, person that we saw transition in the public eye. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm just really excited to read about experience yeah he's also really hot so yeah like yeah this cover I know I I remember I saw like I I think I saw it on Instagram and I was like oh Elliot wow okay yeah 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 that's um two that I'm really wanting to read another one that I have talked about previously I'll just mention it very briefly is The Other Pandemic by Lynn Curley. I got it from NetGalley. Um, I haven't like read it in depth, but I it's there's a lot of photos in the book and I've like looked through the photos, but it's about it's within the um young adult oh really section, which is interesting, but it's more of like a it's a memoir, it's storytelling of just people from the AIDS and HIV pandemic. And yeah, I think it's just really important to highlight like some of those stories, Mm -hmm. especially in the wake of like the COVID-19 pandemic and just how just how like health is also very social. And we think of health and illness as like very scientific and very like determined by biology. And like, yes, it is, but it's also very determined socially and by um, certain people who get it and certain people who get different diseases and it is all socially determined. Uh, so I think it's really important to like highlight those stories as well. So I'm really looking forward to reading that one for NetGalley. It comes out in June. It hasn't come out yet. Oh, okay. But keep an eye out for that one. It has lots of photos. And yeah, I'm excited for that one. I like how it is young adult because I think a lot of books that p- get published that are like, surrounding well I don't know from what I've seen I feel like a lot are surrounding that are surrounding um like health issues like 
social determinants of health, I think they're usually like ac more academic books or nonfiction that are very like um, heavy in a sense where it's like a lot of mm -hmm. words and whatever. So I think it's really nice that they're targeting like or writing for young readers because it's really important to understand these things, I think, in a social context. Like even with COVID, that was a really big like well we could talk about a lot of things but I think how COVID was racialized too like that's one example mm -hmm. and how other things like really? how like Ebola or SARS like these things were all like socially kind of determined by the government by people so it's very interesting how that has such a big effect on how treatment is laid out and how people get access so very interesting that's like a topic Definitely. I was when I was taking sociology I was very interested in that as well because I did a sociology of health class and at first I was like Kate what what is this class about like so so, so health is biology and then when mm -hmm. I took it and you learn about like the different types of health care and how they affect each other there's many things that go on and it goes many many, many things, things. But, we are social beings and we yeah. live in a social world and biology is not immune to the social side of things because humans do the science and so it has to be influenced by social factors like there's no way around yeah. it um yeah. that's like my what my whole degree is about yeah I know that's true <laughs> that's true yeah um I wanted to mention not a book but Queer Eye <laughs> one of my favorite shows ever uh on Netflix I'm watching season seven. I think it might have just came out. I don't know. But if anyone hasn't watched Queer Eye on Netflix, it's like five queer men who give. Well, five queer people. Oh, yes, that's uh, true. TVN is non-binary. So yes, yeah. that's true. Started as, yeah, started as yes. five queer men. But yes, yes. five KBN queer people, I should say, yeah. that uh, give people makeovers like it. And the show actually started, I think, in the 90s or early 2000s with different hosts, yeah. right? And, yeah, that's um, like um, the the ho the judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes! Uh, the blonde one. Yeah, judges. It was like on the original, they used to call it Queer Eye for the Straight. Carson guy. Kressley yes. and Ross Matthews. Oh, they're both, they were both on Queer Eye. I, no, Carson Kressley. Oh yeah. Okay. 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 I thought, I thought that the other one was, but yeah, Carson Kressley was on, it was called queer eye for the straight guy. And it was from 2003 to 2007. And then, yes. yeah, they re they redid it with, with the new cast, but yeah. 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 And I remember, well, I actually listened to a podcast with Emrata. Um, I actually don't, re I, I don't really like her podcast, but I like when she interviews certain people, but she interviewed tan tam francis tam, mm -hmm. tam tan france yes and um he talked about how well because he was born or he's from the uk and he is from pakistan and like he was just always like to be a queer man or a gay man in that space was just like not a thing so he I don't know the episode was really good because he talks about his life and he ended up becoming very successful behind the scenes well not behind the scenes like he had a very successful fashion brand and actually sold it and kind of retired and then after this he was asked to go on Queer Eye 
um, oh. I think hosting some things and he was a really great TV personality and he talks about how he didn't want to accept it because he's like I don't want to be so public and my family like I don't know what they'll think right. um, but I don't know he has just like a really amazing story and like he's one of my favorite I guess hosts or people on the show like I love yeah he's just like very has I don't know. I just love him. Same with JBM. I love him too. Oh, I just I, I actually love them all. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love all of them, but no, but we used to love. Yeah, we love them all for different reasons. Yes, they're so different. It's such a good cast of people. But I love Queer Eye. It always makes me cry because it's just it it's always just so, makes me cry. Like it's just so beautiful to see people who just like don't believe in themselves like and they always feature it's like people from so many different backgrounds like yeah. um the new season from what I've watched like they go to a frat house and they like take these frat boys and they like give them all makeovers and give their house like a makeover give their house a makeover they remodel their house pretty much and then they feature um, a young black man who had gotten shot and he's um, paralyzed from the chest down. And he's like really big on TikTok, I guess, but they give him like a makeover, a life makeover and stuff. And that one was super sweet. And then they also um, give a lesbian woman a makeover. Like, it's just so cool how... I like how they've rebranded to feature so many different other people, not just like straight men who need, I think it was, it's kind of funny in camp in like the early 2000s to like, mm-hmm. be like, oh, this straight guy needs a makeover. But now I like how they incorporate a lot of different people from many different backgrounds and places where, yeah, even, even Ta- Tam talks about it in the podcast with Emrata, but they talk about going to like places where um like in the the south of america where being gay is not as accepted as much and just other identities aren't accepted so it's very interesting how they're even going to these spaces but anyways i love that show i wanted to give them a shout out yeah yeah i agree <laughs> want to give a, a book a book a shout out an honorable mention <laughs> i know that mine was like a yeah, I have I have two that I didn't mention that are on my list. Okay. Um, Butter Honey Pig Bread by Francesca Equiasi. I read that one mm-hmm. a few months ago. I probably talked about it. I read it in like February. Yes. Um, was very good. It has a queer storyline, and I really liked that book. Um, it has a queer storyline, and it also follows kind of the diasporic peoples, and uh, from they're Nigerian, but just like the diaspora, living in different countries from your family from your home country and then another one that we just we just talked about but the vanishing half um mm-hmm. has a storyline a trans storyline one of the characters is trans and I think that that was written very beautifully into that story um and then I also have sister outsider by Audrey Lord on my list um Audrey Lord is I mean I don't know if you haven't heard of Audrey Lord I don't know what to tell you but Audrey Lord I haven't Oh, oh, just kidding. Now that I see the photo. Yes. Audrey Lord um, is a queer, fat black woman. And she was a writer, a 
feminist, a professor, a philosopher. She's a huge civil rights activist. Um, she died in 1992, but she is like iconic for intersectional feminism. Um, she is, she talks a lot about like, she's very famous for talking about the erotic, which is not like eroticism, but um, the erotic is a very famous uh, essay that she wrote. Um, she also wrote the Cancer Journals, which was her experience as a fat black queer woman with breast cancer, and uh, written in like she in like the seventies. And so that's a very very that was like one of her biggest books. Um, so that's a great book. But Sister Outsider is just a really nice collection of essays, speeches, and poems that you could re read like one every now and again. Just pick up the book and read one. Yeah, she is a badass and i recommend you read some audrey lord she's I and she's have a, to pick this up she is a beautiful writer like she's an academic but it's not it's it's like so poetic and beautiful her prose is just beautiful like it's really great highly recommend Oh, okay. No, I need to. I need collection. to read these. Mm -hmm. I feel like I. You'd really like her. Yeah, because I feel like I've seen these books in like when I was in school. I didn't do many. Like I did a class on sex and gender, mm -hmm. and I feel like she was like referenced to a lot. Yeah. But okay, I'm very yeah. intrigued. I'm gonna have to pick these up. Yeah, I feel like I want to like get into more classics now because reading so many contemporary things it's nice to go back because a lot of contemporary work refers to like a lot of classic literature yes totally um, it's just nice to maybe I need to do an English degree or something <laughs> <laughs> just kidding I don't want to go back to school yet but okay amazing yeah. okay well happy pride month everybody happy pride month happy to pride all month. of our queer friends happy pride month to all of our non-queer friends as well thank you for being allies and advocates for us mm -hmm. okay happy pride month happy pride month bye thanks for listening to the best i've ever read podcast with kim and Liv. you can find us on instagram at best read podcast email us at bestreadpodcast at gmail.com and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bestreadpodcast. We would love your support. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week.